It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. In uh, Wisconsin, uh, let's bring in Joe Thomas, the former Browns great who will probably have a date in Canton um, yes. next summer. He has advanced to, I think, the semifinal stage now. Congratulations on that, Joe. Um, let's Excited start right about Luke there Fickle? before we dive yeah. into the Browns. What do you make of the Luke Fickle hire at Whiskey? I think it's a, I think he fits them perfectly. Absolutely. You talk to anybody outside of Madison, Wisconsin, and people are saying this is a home run hire. We can't believe Luke Fickle decided to go to Wisconsin after being the guy that everybody wanted in college football for the last couple of years. But it's still a little bit bittersweet for a lot of Badger fans. And that's why I made the caveat that everybody outside of Madison, because the interim coach, the guy who'd been the coach yeah. in waiting for several years was Jim yeah. Leonard. He is one of the most beloved Badgers of all time. He played with me in Cleveland, played with me in Wisconsin, and everyone basically thought it was his job. And so even though on the outside, Luke Fickle is an absolute perfect fit, he is a guy that I think after a few months when the dust settles, Badger fans are going to absolutely love because of what he believes in, what he stands for, and the experience that he had at Cincinnati building that program up. And obviously he's going to have a lot more resources at Madison in the Big Ten to be able to build the program. But I think right now the, the heartstrings are still being pulled in both directions a little bit if you're a Badger fan because Jim Leonard did not get that job. Is he staying with the staff? That's a good question. Uh, Luke Fickle had his introductory press conference on Monday, and that was one of the questions everybody wanted to ask because, you know, especially a lot of the people that remember watching Jimmy or that played with Jimmy, they're a little bit hesitant maybe to jump on board right away with Luke Fickle because sure. their buddy didn't get the job and they thought he would do a great job. But I think it would be such a home run if they were able to find a way to keep Jim Leonard. But I think it's going to be tough because Jim Leonard, obviously defensive guy, defensive coordinator, Luke Fickle, defensive guy, defensive right, coordinator. Right. They run very different schemes. And I think because so many of the current players are so loyal to Jim and they love him so much and we're disappointed he didn't get the job. There's going to be a little bit of leeriness from Luke Fickle's side of, hey, is it going to be a split loyalty if things get a little bit rocky early on between me and Jim? So um, it'll be really interesting to see if they're able to keep Jim Leonard around. Yeah. Joe, if Jim Leonard does leave Wisconsin and the Browns move on from Joe Woods, would he be a good fit as the Browns defensive coordinator? There's no doubt Jim Leonard would be a successful defensive coordinator nowhere, wherever he goes, and I think um, – Cleveland obviously potentially is going to be one of those spots with as as much as the defense has struggled this season. I think Jim Leonard last offseason turned down the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job because he wanted to stay at Wisconsin. And he thought he was going to be the head coach eventually. Um, and because of the move to Luke Fickle, a lot of people speculate knowing Jim Leonard and knowing how smart he is, how well he connects with players, how good he is from a scheme and a teaching standpoint and how maybe college football doesn't fit him quite as much because he isn't as big of a recruiter as a lot of these guys have to be these days, that there's a lot of speculation he's going to try to make that jump this offseason to the NFL to be a defensive coordinator there. I'd love him. Oh, I, mean, that would, I love his style. I, that would be a tremendous fit. He would fit great here. Joe, let's talk. before we get into the Browns, Jay did mention coming in, you're one of the finalists for the Hall of Fame. You know, obviously you're going to get in. You've had, you had a magnificent career. 
how do you, I mean, how do you feel? Obviously, you're excited, but like, what, what are the thoughts? Is even though maybe, I mean, we all assume it's an obvious thing, but I, I assume you do too, but may, may, I don't know. But like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on eventually being named the Hall of Famer? How, how exciting is that? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting just to be part of the process. And, you know, I'm a realistic person. I know I'll probably be there at the Super Bowl as one of the finalists that potentially gets announced whether you make it or not. Um, so I haven't really paid super close attention to the process of the voting as it goes along, as they continue to narrow things down. And it made my mom kind of upset because uh, I think last week was when the la the latest narrow down happened. Yeah. And they don't like call you and say, Hey, congratulations. You're officially a semifinalist right. or a quarter finalist or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and so I didn't even really notice until I saw it on uh, social media, like I think maybe Sunday or Monday or whatever yeah. it was. Cause I didn't do any media over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And my mom sent me a text message. She's like, honey, I really think you should let us know when these really big events happen in your life. <laughs> Named, you know, a she's like some lady came up to me at the grocery store and congratulated me and i didn't even know what she was congratulating me for and i was like mom they didn't even call me like i didn't even know either i'm sorry i'll let you know but don't worry i'm pretty sure things are going to go the way we want yeah. until we get to the super bowl and that's really where the, the the big decision and the nervousness will really start for me when you are a finalist and whether you do get that knock on the door or not yeah. by the way i got into a knockout drag knockdown drag out brawl on text messages so i'm in this yeah, text course. chat with a bunch of dorks like me who play fantasy like we're like insane fantasy yes. football players right and we got into an argument over if you had to choose for the hall of fame between joe thomas or darrell revis if it was only you mm -hmm. two guys and only one could go in that's easy who would get in and i and i said i'm not just saying this because you're here i said to me it's a no-brainer Joe was great every year in his career. Darrell Rivas was great, but he wasn't great every year of his career. That to me or was Or for the obvious. long stretch that and Joe And we was. were just like, I mean, I was like going, me and this guy were just going, but he's a big Jets fan, this guy, sure. so he's biased. Yeah. That's all but, he has. But uh, we were going at it. I don't know. But you, Joe, there's some awesome names that you're on there with because, I mean, all those, a lot of those guys belong in the Hall of Fame, no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be a really strong class and you know i don't get into rating like how strong the classes have been but yeah. the, maybe the last three four classes there's been a couple in there that have been critiqued a little bit yep. um deon sanders <laughs> was what i think one of the guys that came out and said uh so, some of those things but certainly when you look at the guys who are going to be finalists and potentially who are going to be in this year it is a really super strong class like you mentioned darrell revis uh, Revis Island and I think a lot of times when guys have their own nickname like that and they kind of define a generation of that position mm -hmm. especially a cornerback which you know is a little bit more flashy than left tackle certainly <laughs> they've got a lot of awesome recognition and deservedly so when uh, he, when he gets into the Hall of Fame uh, it's going to be well deserved Dwight Freeney another guy I think he's a first time finalist yep. uh, or, or a first time uh, potential nominee this season who in my opinion I always said he was the toughest pass rusher that I I ever went against i mean he beat up the best left tackles in the nfl over about 13 years going back to when he was a younger player taking jonathan ogden's lunch money taking my lunch money early in my career when he was a little bit later in his career so um he's certainly another guy that's very well deserved so it's going to be really fun whoever gets in it's going to be a really strong class i think this this is a little strange question. Um, mm. You know, your your man uh, Deshaun Watson has not played in seven hundred days or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Now, that's a long time off of football. Obviously, he has trainers and, and different things like that. You've been retired for how many years? What, five? Is it five years? <laughs> five years. <laughs> five, 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 that's crazy. Uh, if, if you had a year and you had one year to just train and come back, could you make it through one game? People always say, do you have any snaps left? And you'd be like, no, I get hurt the first play. I tell people that right now. I'm done the first two snaps. Yeah. Could you make yeah. it through a game if you had one year to train and get back in shape? 100%. Yeah, so that, that real question is, does my body feel like it feels now or when I was uh, 28 instead of 38? That's the question. I know, you got the, because... you got the 38 body. You got the 38 body. Oh. So how, how how much are the doctors involved with the pain medicine? Because I feel like I could probably make it Whatever through you need. Because I don't think I was going to get hurt. Like, I, I still work out and yeah. I, I still do stuff. But I'm just worried if I went into the locker room and sat down for halftime for 15 minutes, I'm Locked not sure up. they'd be able to get me out of that chair except to do a wheelchair. <laughs> hey. Uh, Joe, right now, the Browns, uh, some of the Browns players are talking to media, and it's expected Deshaun Watson will speak today. He did not talk yesterday. Joel Batonio just had a really interesting comment. He said that the transition between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson has been seamless. As a guy who had all kinds of transitions from one quarterback <laughs> to the next, talk about what goes into that and how big of it do we make more of a deal of, of that than it that we should no I don't think we make more of a deal of it than we should because Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson's playing styles are going to be vastly different and I imagine Kevin Stefanski's play call sheet is going to look a lot different with Deshaun at quarterback and I think naturally everybody expects okay Deshaun Watson he's this great athlete we're probably going to move him around a lot with boots and nakeds and play actions and stuff but actually I think you'd typically lean on those things a little bit more if you have a quarterback who's not as mobile because it kind of manufactures his ability to get outside the pocket, give your offensive line a little bit of help in their pass protection, give those receivers time to get down the field with some longer developing routes. But with Deshaun, I actually think you're going to see a little bit more pocket passing with more freedom from Kevin Stefanski to be able to tell him, hey, if you don't like your first or second option, just take off. Like, that's what you do best. That's what's the most natural. And that's why players that are good athletes that come from college to the NFL, they have an easier time transitioning because if things don't look good on your first read, you can just take off and be an athlete. And now you're playing basketball with guys and you're just reacting to things. And so because Deshaun hasn't played in so long, there's obviously going to be rust within the normal rhythm of an, a passing offense. But if you give him the option where he can just drop back and all of a sudden, if he doesn't like his first or second option, or he doesn't like what the defense is showing him, go take off that rust does not become a factor anymore in those situations. And so that's why I think you're going to actually see a little bit more drop back passing when Kevin Stefanski's calling the plays for Deshaun Watson. So can they overhaul this offense in three practices this week? Deshaun took a lot of snaps in training camp for this reason, I think, to try and fast track this yeah. once he was eligible. But can you crumple up everything you were doing, three tight end sets, and throw that out and overhaul what you're doing with just three practices? I think the timing between Deshaun and the receivers is the biggest difficulty that they're going to have to overcome. Um, but I think as far as the running schemes, like they're all going to be the same. You may emphasize things a little bit differently based on how it meshes with your play action and what you're trying to do with Deshaun in the passing game. But for the offensive linemen, it's mostly the same and it's all been in the playbook. It's just kind of what you emphasize. Same thing. Uh, with some of the play action stuff, I think, you know, you're going to get 
a lot of the same concepts as you saw with Jacoby, but you just may be featuring a, a few different things because he's got that bigger arm and he does have an ability to maybe get outside the pocket and actually run and win with his legs that a defense is going to have to defend a little bit differently with Jacoby. Um, and so I think generally speaking, the plays are all in the playbook. It's just it's kind of what you emphasize and the question mark of what's the timing going to be like between Deshaun, especially in play uh, in uh, dropback between him and the receivers, that's really the one that I'm going to watch the most. Joe, Jedrick Wills uh, has struggled, right? I mean, he's, 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 he was a high draft pick. To this point, it seems like he hasn't lived up to that draft pick. He's not, not that he's terrible, but he's just, I, I, you know, part of me wants to say he's not you, but that's not fair to him because nobody's you. So, like, what do you think of his play? And, I mean, is it good enough? Are you giving, you know, you think the Browns are going to give him another contract? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. That's a tough position there. Yeah. As you know, I mean, there's few yeah. of us that are good-looking enough to play left tackle in the NFL, <laughs> much less be able to ele- elevate their skills to a high yeah. level. But I think when I'm watching uh, Jed, I'm looking at what's the trajectory of his performance. And I think he's playing his best football of his career. I think he still has room to grow. Okay. I think he has a long way to go to become a great left tackle, which that's where his potential is. He's got a high ceiling. That's why he was a high draft pick, and he showed it at Alabama. And where I see issues in his game at times is when he's not exactly sure what he's supposed to do, whether it be what the defense did, if they changed something, or if it was different than the look he practiced during the week, or maybe he's out there and he's not exactly sure what the call was, even though maybe he got it from Joel, he wasn't exactly positive what to do. He kind of freezes a little bit, right? He kind of plays and takes himself away rather than sometimes guys just become overly aggressive in those situations and they become out of control if they don't know exactly what they're doing. With him, he goes the other direction and it kind of looks like he's being lazy when he's out there because he's unsure of himself. He doesn't want to get in the running back's way. He doesn't want to run into somebody or fall down in somebody's legs that are going to get all pissed off at him and he's going to look like a stooge when he's doing that. So he kind of pulls back. And I think that's one of the things that he really needs to work on. But I'm really encouraged because that's just a matter of becoming even more comfortable in the system, being more comfortable playing with the guys around you. And you say, well, he's already in what his third year in the NFL. He should be there. Well, everybody improves and grows at the same at different speeds. So you can't expect everybody to line up day one and have the offense mastered, have every defense they go against mastered because it's a difficult position. And I think that's why the Browns, I, I don't know if they're going to give him a long-term contract right away this offseason, but I definitely think he's going to be the left tackle for at least a couple more years to see where this improvement trajectory heads. Because if he continues to improve at the uh, the, the speed with which he's improving in a couple years, He's got an opportunity to be a Pro Bowl tackle, and you don't want to let that guy walk out the door because he wasn't able to do that in year two or year three of his career. Our untrained eye says he's having a terrible year. Did you say (laughs) you think he's having a good year, the best year of his career? I think he's playing the best of his career. Last year, I didn't like how he played. I thought that the ankle injury really nagged him quite a bit. Um, But I, I think part of the problem is 
in your third season when you're a top pick, the microscope's on you in everything you do. And now in the social media world, you get people that, you know, like like us, like bozos like me that are either have a take that he's going to be a great player or he's going to be a bum. And then so we look to reconfirm those takes throughout the season. Mm, and it's true. easy when you're watching 69 plays or 70 plays for an offensive lineman. It's easy to take three or four. Even when I was at the best in my career, you could take two or three plays from almost any game and you could highlight them on social media and say, look at this guy, he's a bum, he's getting beat. Because that's just the nature of the position. Like, if you grade out 67 good plays out of 69 or 70 good plays in a game, that's going to put you in the, the Pro Bowl every single season because anything over 90% success on the offensive line of doing your job is pretty good. Now, the level gets raised a little bit when you're Joel Batonio because you're looking for perfection week in and week out. But you don't get rid of a tackle who's grading out at 89 or 90%, especially at left tackle, playing against the best competition uh, against the other team each week just because he's got a couple bad plays. It's all about, hey, is he progressing? Is he giving us a chance to win? And what is the replacement options? Which, as a tackle in the NFL, there's a lot more seats available than there are guys that are good enough to fill them. So mm. you do not want to get rid of a guy like Jed well, who's playing point. good football yeah. and who's also improving each season. Well, you know, Joe, uh, this is a couple weeks old now, but were you surprised you got a little pushback from from the, the Saturday um, comment, I, you know, I, I would looked at it and I was like, okay, well, you just figured like, hey, maybe, you know, he, he likes guys going through the rankings, but it seemed like on the internet and seemed like people gave you a lot of pushback. And were coward you, too. Yeah, were you surprised by that? No, because if you looked at the people who gave pushback, they were either really good friends with Jeff Saturday, they were his coworker, or they were somebody that coached, played with him, or wanted a job on his coaching staff. And some of them even said that. So, like, there's bias in all walks of life, certainly in the media. And when your buddy gets a job, you're going to probably root for him, which is great. And if you want a job on his staff, you're probably going to root for him and push back. And, uh, you know, so those things are kind of natural. But I, I think you're starting to see a little bit, and, and I'm not rooting against Jeff, because I think he's a great dude. I, I know him a little bit from playing with him in the Pro Bowl, from working with him for a brief time at ESPN before I took my NFL Network job. And he's a great human being, so I'm not cheering against him as a person. I just thought that, hey, I hold the, the role of head coach in really high esteem, especially because I've seen a lot of them fail, because it is not an easy job. And I believe that having a little bit of experience as a coach, like, makes a big difference. And I think you kind of saw that a little bit in this last game. And I, I think that it's difficult as a man, even though you're a great leader like Jeff Saturday is, mm -hmm. to stand in front of a bunch of players and sell week in and week out your message and your vision when you've never been a coach. I know he's been a great player for a long time in that league, but he's never sat in, in that role as a head coach. And then on top of that, you have to lead – a group of coaches who now are a little bit leery about how you got that job. And you're, and especially in that moment, you're leading a bunch of coaches that maybe you're feeling a little bit slighted because they thought that they deserve the opportunity to be standing in there and proving themselves to everybody in the NFL that they can be a head coach and they can do a great job. So I think there's a lot of reasons that it was not a great decision for the the owner to hire a head coach that uh, had no experience. But I guess time will tell. And that doesn't mean he can't have success. Like, if I sit down at a blackjack table and I get 19 and I hit, 
and I get 21. That doesn't mean it was a good decision, but I just got lucky and I got successful because the cards were in my favor. It, it always so, comes out in the wash. It always comes out in the that's wash. Right. We'll, we'll find out. We can, we'll have a much better idea at the end of the season. McNuggets has a question yep. for you. What's up, Joe? How you been, man? Long time no talk. Good. How are you, McNuggets? <laughs> good, I'm doing good. They're boys. No, no I'm seeing you. We've been texting back and forth. Yo, when, when I texted you yesterday, am I in your phone as McNuggets, or am I just am I just locked in there as? Or you just a random phone number? You? No, no, no. You don't even have a, a last name. It's just McNuggets, and then underneath there's no like title. There's nothing else. It's McNuggets and the number. That's it. That's all I need. I love it, Joe. I do have to ask a serious question though about the Jeff Saturday comment. Let's take tag board full here. You said it was the most egregious thing that you can remember happening in the NFL. The most egregious thing about this was the tiny chair they put you in on this set. They flew you to Germany and put you in a toddler chair. Joe, you're like 6'7", like 300 pounds still. What's up with that? That's... It's the NFL now. They can't get you a better chair than that? Shockingly egregious. Yes. Uh, hiring a head coach That's with great. no coaching experience. Very egregious. Putting me in a chair that looks like my six-year-old son could sit in and fit comfortably at school, just as egregious. And it was funny because, so I was traveling through Europe um, with my kids. I, I went to Paris and then we went to Barcelona and then I uh, jumped ship and went over to Germany for the game. And so I hadn't watched Good Morning Football that week. And I thought they would be at the desk like they are in New York. And yeah. so when I got there on Friday morning, I was like, really? You're going to make me sit in this little chair for three hours? That ain't going to work, guys. We need to get the adult table over here. Oh, man. I think we need to get the same chair for Bull. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bull well, I weigh more than Joe now, so a lot more. Like What's more funny is if we could take that shot again, the other people look perfectly normal and comfortable. They was lounging. The dude to the right is just kicking it. Look at it. He look, they just moving around, feeling free about it. Let me get my coffee. Yeah. Off the table. Look at him. He over there chilling. Joe looks Schrager. like Brad Sellers. <laughs> Peter Schrager has a bigger chair than Joe Thomas. What is that? that never and what is that sweater he was wearing? I can't. I, he was a disaster. But that looked like a cool chair. Yeah. Very, very busy. Hey, don't throw darts at Peter. Peter's <laughs> yeah, man. Peter's great. I like Peter. No, that was not Peter's a shot awesome. Peter. Yeah, Peter's great. Joe, I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, you didn't get to play with Nick Chubb. You retired the year before he came into the league. I, I just marvel at this guy every year. Not only is he one of the greatest players we've ever seen at running back five years into the career, and I don't think it's overstating that. But, and I don't, listen, I don't know the guy personally. Seems like a great guy, but I don't know him. But on the field, what amazing amazes me, he, there's never any showboating. They, guys take, you see it all the time. Guys will be like hitting him when he's on the ground. He never gets mad. He never throws the ball. He, it must drive the, his opponents crazy. You cannot, it seems impossible to piss him off. I've never seen him show any emotion on the field in, in any negative way for five years. Have you ever seen anything like this guy? The closest that I can remember is Barry Sanders. So if you're old enough to remember yeah. watching Barry Sanders on yeah. Thanksgiving, and I was yeah. a Packer fan growing up, so they played Detroit all the time. Yeah. And watching that guy go through what he went through during a game and just shaking guys out of their jock straps, going on 70 yard runs and getting in the end zone and just handing it to the ref and walking to the sideline like it was nothing yeah. was amazing. And I think that added to his aura over time, especially no towards the end of his career, right? Whereas at the beginning of your career, if you're not showboating and you're not doing any look at me stuff, people don't give you maybe the credit that you deserve. And right. how great you are it sort of goes unnoticed a little bit. And I think that's what's happening right now with Nick Chubb because they have the same type of personality on the field. Very quiet, very to themselves, very humble. 
But it's something that over time, it builds slowly, that that fan base, the, the way that not only his teammates and the fans in Cleveland, but the NFL fans respect how he goes about his business and end up loving him. That I think when his career is all over, we're going to remember him a little bit like we remember Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah I think he's absolutely yep. in that same mold. I have a question for you, Joe. Uh, winning winning back-to-back games in the NFL is, is not easy. The Browns haven't done it this year. Winning six games in a row is very, very rare. G. Bush is mad at me right now. But G. Bush is drinking the 6-0 Kool-Aid. He believes there's a really good chance mm-hmm. that the Browns run the table with Deshaun Watson and go 6-0. and Talk about what goes into that, all of the luck, all of the breaks, aside from great football, when you really haven't seen it consistently from the defensive side all season. Well, it's funny. Uh, my son is an enormous football and Browns fan, and I think he's a young hedge fund manager because he was trying to play the uh, predictability of win-loss consistency. And early on in the season, if you guys remember, the first four games for the Browns was win-loss, win-loss, and so he was convinced that the, the the Chargers game was a win because oh, they, they won the first one, lost, they won, they lost, so they have to win this one. Like, and when they lost that game, he was in utter shambles because his model <laughs> was completely shattered. <laughs> and then we lost like four in a row. And like, I think he just stopped being a Browns fan for a couple of weeks. And then they beat Tampa Bay, and he was he's a Brady fan. And now he's back on, and he can't wait to watch the game, and he can't wait to see Deshaun Watson come back against Houston and start a new model and a new streak of actually winning more than one game. Your, your son, we have a sippy cup full of Kool-Aid for him. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Shout out to him. He is now yes. joined. By the way, you can go out to uh, Circle K and get that 6-0 <laughs> Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, well, I love it. With, I'm on board. Well, speaking of which, Joe, like, okay, one of those six wins would have to be against Cincinnati. We have been trying to figure out, like, especially the last two years. Joe Burrow's rookie year, the team was still bad. We, he was a rookie, then he got hurt. But the last two years, the Bengals have been excellent. And and in the two games he's played against the Browns, if you had only seen him play those two games, you'd think he's an awful quarterback. Against everybody else, he plays great. How, how do you possibly explain how the Browns have had his number so far early in his career? Well, it's so bizarre, too, because the Browns' defense has been so underwhelming, and that's uh, yeah. a nice way to put it so far. I mean, they're yeah. 30th in scoring with all the stars that they have. But I think for the Browns, when they played him, especially the first time this season, Joe Mixon was out, and so they weren't getting gashed in the run game. Um, and I think that allowed them to maybe focus a little bit more of their resources on defense to playing coverage and then allowing Miles Garrett to rush. And they got after Joe Burrow a little bit in that first game. And I think that was big because if you can pressure Joe Burrow, then he holds onto the ball. He starts getting a little bit nervous. You can rattle him a little bit like that. But when he's in rhythm, he's really tough to beat. So I think the key with Joe Burrow and the key with the Browns has been they've been able to get home to him. They've been able to rattle him. Um, And so I'm a little nervous when they play him in two weeks. How are they going to be able to stop the run? Actually, I haven't paid attention to the the, – the Bengals this week if Joe Mixon is back or not. He's supposed to um, be. But, he's supposed to be. Okay. So, so if he comes back this week, I'll, I want to see how healthy he is because, as you guys know, that's been our Achilles heel even more than the breakdowns in communication in the secondary. It's been stopping the run. Like, we're not stopping a nosebleed right now up front, and if they get the running game going, like, watch out. Like, turn it off at halftime because 
then it's going to be a, a, a show with Joe Burrow just lighting you up in the secondary because you have to do things to try to stop the run by putting safeties down and blitzing and doing uh, different things up front with stunts to try to limit what they can do running the football, and that exposes your secondary. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting if the Browns can take care of business this week, how big that Bengals game comes and how big that Bengals game becomes because – they win that one, and all of a sudden you're going, hey, this schedule's not too tough down the stretch. Like, I, Baltimore's not playing very well. New Orleans, no good. Washington is up and down. They're a 500 the team. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh, yep. like, hey, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid, too. Sure, like, take you. care of your business this week. Deshaun has a full week of Ooh. film review and practice and an opportunity to go face Joe Burrow. Like, that'll be his big moment of the season uh, and yeah. an opportunity to really kind of, like, set the direction for the final four games, which – Maybe you start building that hope. All of a sudden, the focus, the effort, the intensity, you get on a roll at the end of the season. And I tell you what, if you look at the NFL playoffs over the last decade or so, it's much better to start slow or have a rough patch in the middle and then finish strong and build that momentum into the playoffs than it is to be one of these teams that has that number one overall seed, that gets the bye, that coasts into the playoffs and then gets beaten round one. Joe, one last thing before we – Mikey McNuggets will talk to you again one more time, and then we'll let you go because I know you got to go. We got to talk food before you go. I know you're a big food guy. Oh, you're talking about yeah. barbecuing and all that stuff. First of all, I have changed my routine on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I no turkey. I went prime oh. rib instead. Are you are you oh, okay wow. with that? I'm okay with it because really turkey is the lowest of the low on the priority of the protein <laughs> scale. Like there is no protein that I. Don't enjoy more than turkey. It doesn't matter right. if it's fish, chicken, beef, pork, whatever it is. However, it's such a tradition. I, I'm okay with you going prime rib because I feel like that's the next closest thing to a tradition for protein on a Thanksgiving. And everybody loves it way better. Let's be honest. I made a really, really <laughs> good turkey on Thanksgiving and everyone had like a tiny little sliver of it. And then it was all about the sides. What yeah. is the best if you could only cook one meat? One, what are you what are you choosing? Well, pork is undefeated. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And wow. I think the thing that makes everybody yes. the happiest all time is like a, por- a pork rib, like a baby back rib. That's pretty much undefeated. If you want to go more sandwich like a lunch route than like a pulled pork, like a pork butt, Ooh, that's, yeah. that's up there too. I think those two, they're undefeated. They're not going to make anybody happy, no matter uh, unhappy, no matter how picky yeah, you are. Yeah, they're crowd pleasers for sure. It's a great McNuggets one. has one other thing to do here, and we'll let you go. Yeah, Joe, we just wanted to uh, help promote the Candy Cane Ball coming up next Friday. I know you're yeah. a part of. Uh, you said it's one of your favorite holiday events in Chicago. You're bringing it to Cleveland. It's raising good money uh, for a good cause. So if you want to share a little bit about that event and tell people how they can get involved. It's your chance. Yeah, check it out. Um, it's at the Trust Event Venue, which is right there on West 25th Street. It's uh, a new building that my buddy, who I played with at the Badgers, actually, um, just put up. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big night. I've always loved all of the opportunities in Cleveland in December to help give back to charities and celebrate the Christmas holiday season. Um, and this will be one of them. I'm, I'm excited. That's Friday night and then uh, Tuesday night. My wife and I have another event downtown that's going to be really fun that uh, she's going to tell me where to show up to. <laughs> I think it's the Providence House event, and I can't wait for that as well. Yeah, those are always good times. What are uh, we doing tonight, honey? Yeah. 
I'll let you know when we get there. Joe, you're the best. Joe, thanks, man. Thanks for spending time with us. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Around Super Bowl week, when I know that's going to be a very busy week. When you're Joe, we got some shirts for you too. When you're in Cleveland, let us know where to drop off some shirts. We got some UCSS swag for you. Absolutely. We should get you that six and zero t-shirt. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That's right, six and zero. Give me the shirt. He's drinking it. I mean, he's in. He's, Joe Thomas is in. Yeah, he's he's drinking. Uh, it he's too. the best. Y'all are crazy. Uh, an, an update on Deshaun Watson. He's speaking as uh, we speak. His oh. opening statement. He said flat out, he's he's going to take football only questions. That's what I thought he said. I, I, I do think the I one thing that him. I really loved that he said was um, he. It sounds like he started by really um, giving respect to Jacoby Brissett and talking about uh, his relationship and what he has meant, what Jacoby Brissett has meant to him. I think that's, um, we all like to hear that. He says, the big brother he's been to me and everyone in that locker room, the passion, grit he's shown in these past weeks. He's been awesome for me. Our relationship has been great. The bond has been great. But in terms of any off-field talk, he's made it clear from the beginning that he's not going to answer those questions. Doesn't mean they're not going to be asked. I'm sure, I'm sure some reporters will try to fire away those questions, but um, they're going to keep it, it looks like, to, uh, to football only. Okay. I'm not – I suggested he did that earlier in the week. Yeah. I, you know, again, I'm okay with it. You, you know, you have a problem that, with it? He I'm mentioned a, that a, it, it was, he was advised by, yeah. you know, to, because of the two pending uh, lawsuits to, um, to leave the personal stuff alone, and he's here to talk about football. I think we're all fatigued by it only because – and I did say that there were other things for him to address. There is a new allegation, so there there are pertinent questions to ask. But at this point, I'm just fatigued by the whole thing, and yeah. maybe that's the wrong attitude to have. But I don't know what else he can say that he hasn't said. I don't know that we can ask outside of the new allegation that we haven't, or the new civil suit that we haven't already asked. I'm just, I just, I I need to start covering a football team again. As a as a as a journalist, <clears throat> do you think people will start? jockeying for off-season piece. Do you think he'll be more forthright and talk about some of the things uh, that are going on or happen off, like in the off-season, not during the season? Or do you think that that's a two-year type thing coming down the line? It depends on how the season ends. It depends on if he plays well. And it depends on the relationships that his agent has and who he trusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the honest answer. The people around Deshaun um, have relationships with people in the media. And who do you trust to tell the story? And I, sa- I said the other day, I think it's going to be a Netflix special in a couple of years. And I absolutely believe that. I think he's going to handle it himself. When he really tells his story, I think he wants to be in control of it. It's going to be big. Well, on that note, uh, there is a Peacock uh, docu-series, documentary, that I think was released last night. You guys remember the case in Florida where the young girl was allegedly murdered by her mother? Her mother stood trial, and um, she ultimately she waited 31 days to even report her missing. The I baby's name was vaguely. Kaylee. I remember the that. Baby's vaguely, name was yes. Kaylee. Well, uh, this documentary debuted, and it's basically her telling the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. People just don't see through it. I mean, she absolutely got roasted saying, I didn't believe her then. I don't believe her now. She's changed her story five times along the way. Mm -hmm. But in today's media world, she was offered $200,000 by Peacock to do this documentary. She profited over the death of her daughter 
But more importantly, she got to control the narrative. It's yeah. it's her project. Right. She's involved in the project. And I imagine, to your point, in a year or two, <clears throat> we will see whether it's on Amazon Prime or whatever it is, Netflix, there will be a documentary that has his fingerprints on it. Absolutely. And then everybody will make the decision whether God, and, or not they want to believe it. In the meantime, there will be articles done. He yeah. will do sit-downs. I, sure. I don't know that I even want to do that, frankly. Like, I don't know that I want to be in that position. Yeah, it's, it's, By it's, the way, it's I got really some, tough. Got some quotes from Watson. Asked about what the reaction he thought he would get from the fans in Houston on Sunday. Quote, I'm not sure. My main focus is on the game plan and trying to execute so we can win. Uh, I want to get back to that finish, but I want to get back and, to that. And then one more. He asked, how close is he to the player he was? Uh, there's that, that one I just mentioned. He, uh, how close is he to the player he was? Quote, we'll have to see Sunday, honestly. It might take time. It might not take time. I want to go out there and make plays as much as I possibly can. Two years is a long time, but I've been doing this since I was six years old. So even he's admitting, hey, I don't know. Right. I don't know for sure. Mixed bag. Obviously, Jacksonville did not go well. No, it did the, not. The preseason game, yeah. and that's all we have to go off of Mikey, right now. did you get the tweet that I sent you? Uh, is, yeah, I just got it right now, yes. Is, is there a way we can take that to tag board? Because I think it's worth having this discussion. Yeah, give me, give me one sec. While okay. he's bringing that up. The idea of the crowd, I, I've said multiple times on the show, I thought it was going to be like just intense and just toxic and Houston bringing down hate. It sounds like that's not going to be the case at all. Tucker, I was way off on Tucker that. Tucker said that on 92. I was listening to 92.3 The Fan, and he was talking. Well, and he said, like, well, they got problems of their own. Well, John McClain, I heard John McClain, longtime Texans writer in Houston, Houston Chronicle, Say like nobody cares about this team. It's gonna be half Browns fans. That's what I said the other day. And and McLean is the most plugged in guy in Houston. And he is. He said But that will surprise me if that's the case. He said they don't care about this team. This team's awful. They've given up on them. There's apathy around the Texans and the Browns have a huge Browns backers. He said of all the teams, because Houston is so massive, they right. have a lot of visiting teams come in. He said the Browns have probably the biggest base of all of them. And he Mc- said, I'd expect to see a lot of Browns fans there cheering for Deshaun. McNuggets, wow. you sent me, uh, you, you were on Twitter the other day, and you were talking about the distribution of this game. I think the NFL Yeah, Jason know. got me real quick. Jason sent me that first, and Jason, you got me in a whole whirlwind of crap last night. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> what did I do? For I, real? Tweeted, I tweeted it out, and it got completely turned around and uh, – I got in a Twitter fight last night with like 50 people. Was, I felt like John Snow and but you, <laughs> but, but, but you were right. right. You He's were right. right. I didn't I see any right. of that. They don't want no parts of showing if that. If you look at the map of where this game is going to be on TV, oh yeah, 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 it's only in Houston and, yeah. and Cleveland. Oh, they're That's hiding it. it. They're hiding the game. Yeah. Of course they are. They want they, I no... mean, this is the league saying we, they're putting it under their rug. Yeah. And to that point, I think this is worthy of having a. a I don't. Th- we don't need to go nuts on it, but if you can tag board the tweet that I sent you, I find this fascinating, and I've, it's not just this tweet. I've seen a lot of people tweet this. Remember, this is an owner of the most prolific NFL team in the league, and these are pictures, we've all seen these pictures before, of Jerry Jones. Why is it that the media is clamoring and can't wait to get their pound of flesh from Deshaun Watson over and over and over and over again. When has Jerry Jones stood in front of a gaggle of reporters to answer to these photos? It's creepy. He ain't never going to do that. You know that. Well, uh, have these that. women accused him of sexual assault? As creepy as that is. They, they speak for themselves, Bull. Can't do that. What do you mean? Well, I'm not defending them, but the one on the left the, looks happy. They both were. <laughs> but this is an owner of an NFL team. Yeah. And we talk about protecting the shield. 
and don't do anything to embarrass. I don't care if those women clearly were willing participants. Well, that's, that's embarrassing to the shield. Did you see LeBron's comments last night? I did see LeBron's comments, and that's where I was going to go next. So, you may or may not have seen the picture that has resurfaced yeah. from 1957. It was a Washington Post story. It was a Washington Post story. It was an old photo. Jerry has actually talked about this picture before. And by the way, I'm, I'm not siding with anyone on this. I need to hear more information. But from the photo, and maybe we can find that picture. Um, just uh, Google Jerry Jones, Arkansas. I segregation over the weekend. We, we'll get it. Give us 30 but, seconds. But the thing, the, 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 if you don't know what the story is, there is a story, there is a photo that is one of those words. It's, Here it is. It, it, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. This is when um, black classmates were being bullied by um, some white students from uh, desegregating Central High and Little Rock. And Jerry Jones is circled in the back. And you see, now, if Jerry Jones was the kid in the front with the cigarette in his mouth, I'd have a real problem with it. Right. Right. But I cannot condemn Jerry Jones for being there. I totally agree with you. Because if that happened in any high school in America, oh, there's something going on. There's a fight. Okay, well, how many fights did you see in your high school? Thousands. And how many fights did you go to to say, what what the hell's going on over there? And you're an innocent bystander. And if a photo was snapped, that doesn't make you guilty of being a, an active participant in the fight. I need context. And I do not want to, I'm not need, being a Jerry Jones apologist. We, I was the one that said, let's we show We do need right, context. Right. Uh, I, I, I think. So he spoke of it. I didn't he like has, the LeBron. I, I Listen, I, I think Jerry Jones is a scumbag. But uh, I, 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 I'm bothered by the consistent uh, whataboutism. And I was disappointed in LeBron. If LeBron wants to bring up Jerry Jones, that's fine. It should be have nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. I, I agree. shouldn't bring that up. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Jerry Jones, the Jerry Jones situation is is not is not an apples at, to apples comparison to what no. Kyrie Irving did. No, it's not. I, I, it's, it's not. I, I, well, see, Jerry Jerry do, it did say. By the way, I've addressed. I, I have talked about this photo. It was in the '90s, maybe. Um, I read a piece where he said his comment was, "I was scared to death that day. I didn't know what was going to happen." Yeah, and so, who knows I mean, what the truth is? But yeah, I mean, I'm not. I can't condemn uh, him based on yeah. that photo. He was clearly uh, rubbernecking yeah. to yeah, what he, was going on. Now, if he was the kid in the front with the cigarette in his mouth, that by the way, just looks like one of the most punchable faces that you've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, you talk about hate pouring through a photo. That almost looks like to me it's staged from a movie. You yeah. gotta go to if you yeah. want to get if you want to get down to the the brass tacks. I understand LeBron can't just say what he want to say. The problem is this, man. Half, you know, we we look at things in, in sports, we 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 judge harshly people who dribble basketballs, and make layups and throw footballs than we do with people with real power, real process in this world. You can't tell me that, you know, we're still talking about this guy. We're still talking about Deshaun Watson, but we still get a guy who can say, "Look, I got 25, 26 allegations. I'm gonna run for president again." And half of the country will vote for him. They the, did the first time. They, yeah. right, right. The, hold on, hold on, hold on. But, gee, but hold on, no, no, hold on. The, the other half of us have been screaming about but, him for but, six but years. But here's the here's the problem. Yeah. The problem is he's not paraded on that team. You don't hear. There's no parades. There's no. There's no nothing. There is no allegations. They don't go look for the women. They don't care. Yes. No, 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 no. Watch, hold on, hold on, watch this. No, 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 no. Yeah. To the point when we when I watched Deshaun Watson, it's over and over and over and over and over and over and over, right? 
every single week, even after 11 weeks. But you telling me, and it's hard for a black man to say, you, we talk about a quarterback who throws a football, but half of our country does not even care that our president, the highest of the food chain, we just talk, we Joe Thomas just said he holds coaching in high esteem. I hold the president in high esteem. And for half of my half of my comrades, yeah, to say I'm going to willingly sign up for that again. When you tell me about Deshaun Watson, we're kind of cynical. We're like, really, you but guys gee, care? Gee, gee. Really, I, I don't buy that. Like the other half of the country is horrified by him on a daily basis. So I don't. It's I don't. Seventy-five and, and, million people. Half, half the country now, doesn't care what Kyrie did. Or said well, there's a difference too between allegations like and that's what Deshaun Watson. These are allegations yeah. in the criminal sense. He faced two grand juries and was not indicted, right? We know that the criminal bar is at its lowest to get an indictment. They couldn't even do that. So I understand your point. However, from the allegation standpoint where we have to be really careful when the allegations are flying around truth be told there was a story circulating before the 2020 election that Joe Biden had raped a woman. Thank you. And, and so at that point, well, it's an allegation and we can't prove it. I mean, it's almost the opposition research. I, was there a legitimate, politics. I mean, was it, for the, was it from a legitimate source? Well, uh, what, I mean, I remember, dozens, what, what I remember from the but, story but was Jay, this. Jay, that's one. No, Trump's had dozens and well, dozens Well, that's of to the 26 of, of Deshaun Watson. We're like, well, what number is it where we have to believe them? But on the, on the Biden you thing. You can choose to well, believe whatever you want. Right, but what was interesting to, with me on the Biden thing yeah. was, at the time, the woman was um, working in his office as an aide, and she quit over this incident. They pulled tape from the Larry King show from this woman's mother calling Larry King live. It got through on the air and mm -hmm. saying, my daughter works for a prominent senator in the United States. I think she even meant, named Joe Biden. And what he did to her was inexcusable that what that does was it goes back to that moment in time and shows that there was something going on there. Did he do it? Who knows? Did any of these happen? Did Deshaun Watson do right, it? But we the, don't know. Reality, we all have to make our own decisions. Sure. But the reality is, is when you have 25 allegations or whatever with Watson, right? That's, or dozens and dozens of allegations as Trump had, which is why not to mention trying to overthrow the government, which is important. Uh, why we have to remember gonna, these are allegations. I hear you. But and it, he wasn't. You know, it's hard to Deshaun believe, Watson was not convicted. It's much harder to believe that 20 and 30 people are lying versus one person. But are you willing to are you willing to judge Deshaun Watson as guilty? We all judge. I know, but are you willing to do that? Am I that, of guilty of I, I think there's probably somewhere in between. So, right. So so my, so I, it's impossible to believe for me. I think it's that impossible nothing happened. that he didn't absolutely yeah, and nothing And I I'm in that camp. Well, I can't well, I, well, I find here, that impossible here, to believe. Here's what here's here's the problem we have with a double standard. You yeah. can do that and be a white man be president. You can't do, but you shouldn't. Be. Uh, but but it's not about what you should. Yeah, it's not about should. The reality is it happened is. Yeah, uh, McNuggets has to do a reason. Right, but to say nobody's talking about it is not true, though. Well, he, he just said I'm coming out for president. How many how many people said I'm going to do 25 allegations? Where are the women? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They've already been brought out. so that does not disqualify still, you. Guys, we are we are a sports yeah, show. We're, yeah, and the mean, ultimate Cleveland sports read. show is brought to us should. today by <laughs> BetJack. Sports betting is getting live is going live, excuse me, on January 1st. Download the BetJack app today so you can have skin in every game, anywhere, anytime. BetJack, Ohio Sportsbook. I've talked to people that have gone to the to their new sports book, Vegas style sports book. It's, it's theater, it's plush. It it they everybody that's been there, there's only three of them, but all three of them told me. It is a Vegas feel in downtown Cleveland. So it's going to be if, sick. If you look, because a lot of people um, like to bet on games, but a lot of people like the atmosphere of the sports book and all the excitement that's sure. going on and making friends and, and getting invested in other people's big bets. Just like when you walk by the $10,000 table in Vegas on yeah. Blackjack, I can't walk by that table without gawking. And by the it's way, fun to kind of live vicariously through them when they're putting $10,000 on the line one of the, for I had, one hand. I went to Vegas for March Madness and did a story on from Caesars Palace. Oh, that's a great book. idea. It was great. Because it, it is unlike First weekend of March Madness. Else. And that's great. coming here, and we'll be able to experience that beginning January 1st. You think they'll let you uh, put a bet on 6-0 for the Browns? Is that a bet? How does that I'm happen? Totally it won't be open until January 1st. Not there, so. yeah, no, right. not there, but Vegas? Hell oh, yeah. yeah. You could probably bet on that. I'll I mean, look it up for you. Uh, question you can bet you on whether though. or not the guy's first carry in a game is going to be over two and a half You can bet on anything. That's pretty much question for you guys real quick. We I got think you should lay 100 just left. to make it fun. I will. We got do what? We, wanna, we got 14 minutes where we got to wrap. Do we want to do the bucket game? Yes. Bucket game. And yes. final yeah. takes? Or do you want to do Cavs and, Let's do, and skip final takes? Can we do bucket game and Cavs? Does anybody have a must-do final take today? No. If we don't do Cavs now, we'll do it for overtime. We'll save it for overtime. No, I'd much rather do the Ask the Show question. We'll do Ask the Show tomorrow. Those questions. Let's do Bucket Game. Let's stop wasting time. Bucket Game. Bucket Game. Go. All right. So we're going to do a game we created. It's called Dropping the Bucket. It is exactly the opposite of what Jay just did on that shot where he missed. It should have gone in. It missed. It hit the rim and came out. Tired So you guys all played Blackjack, correct? You've all played Blackjack. Many times. Love it. Sure. The premise of this game is essentially Blackjack. Okay. Deshaun Watson has thrown (laughs) in his career 104 touchdown passes. Right. So we're going to put former Browns quarterbacks in a bucket until we get as close oh, as humanly possible this idea. This is to 104 so we have to... touchdown passes. Oh, oh. Now, is this since 99 or all time? Since 99. Damn. This is, this is say, career. Throw Bernie in there. We got it. But this is career touchdown passes. I got to find my scale. Okay, I got my scale. Steve, do we have the graphic ready? This is the empty bucket. Yeah. And Give Deshaun me Trent Dilfer. The goal is to uh, – no, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a name. Right. And then you guys as a panel decide hit or stay. It's like blackjack. We're trying to pick the four Browns quarterback. No, 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 no one. He's he's no, no, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give you flip the name. it over. He's gonna give us. Oh, I'm okay. Give you a card. It's like the river. I'm gonna give you a card. Got it. And you tell me if, if you want to hit. Yes. And fill continue to fill the bucket, or if you guys are comfortable staying. But, so we're trying to get to 104 without, without going, going over. over. Without going over. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Love are it. you guys ready? Yes. yes. Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, hit. We'll take. We'll totally hit. As long as we don't yeah. go over, we're fine. No matter how under we are. No, you got it as close as possible. Hey, yeah, as close as possible. We're well, he hasn't thrown many touchdowns, so would no. we want somebody with more? We, no, we, he's going to 
It's well, blackjack. We don't know what life? the next card is. Right, we we don't know who he's going to come so up with. So, obviously, the first two so we're going to hit. I got it. I got it. Deshaun Kaiser and Kevin Hogan. Oh, uh, come on. Keep hitting. Hit, hit, hit. Those are deuces. Yeah. So somebody have a running Some, count. Yeah, we got to be counting somebody here. Somebody got though. a running counter so there. Sean had one year as a starter. Yeah. yeah. He threw what? Ten? ten? It's maybe. <laughs> I'm going to put him in ten. Those, his career touchdown passes. So these guys have what? Maybe oh, 20 career? between not, Yeah, not but career. he didn't throw any when he, I mean, he when he left game, here, he was trash to Green Bay. Who's the second guy again? Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan. Okay. He was in Hogan's family. These guys have maybe 20 touchdowns between them. Five versus five? Five. You guys are very close to both of them so far. You want to put a 15? Yeah. Okay. 15. We're hitting. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, and Cody Kessler. 20? 11. Are we building up to 104? Yes. So uh, keep going. No, but we, no, we, we got to go. We want to go where we keep... are. Let's guess how many. Flipping, so I think 11, right? 11, uh, maybe. I'm going to put him at 20. 20? That's no. kind of high. No, not that high? That is high. Okay, think, so where do we want to put him? I think we're at 25 total between the three of us. So you're oh. only giving him 10? Yeah. I how many he, years did he, how many years he was he here? He was in and out. But he, he was never the starter 12, for the full season. I think 12 touchdowns. I well, think 12? If, we, if we gave Kaiser 10 as a full year as a starter, yeah. I'd go even less. I think I don't even know if Kaiser threw 10. Well, Mikey said we were close. Yeah, okay. he yeah. said we were close on the first two. And Kaiser and we're at threw 15. a lot of picks. I would say Let's like a, 7. Okay, 22. 22. So you're hitting. It, yeah. Totally hitting. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, and Johnny Manziel. Oh, God. Johnny Manziel threw about 15 touchdowns. Yeah, I would I guess say. 15. I All would right, say 15. We'll call it 15. Yeah. So 37. Okay. So we want to hit again. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Manziel, and Austin Davis. Oh, oh God. yeah. He Five, threw like four touchdowns. Four. four. How big is this bucket? Uh, go I know, dude. Your bucket's gonna break. Uh, let's say we're at an even 40 now. Yeah. Right. Okay. 40 is a good. 40. I, I like that. Right. 40 is a good number. Yeah, I think this could be a little over 40. So we're hitting again. And we got to be careful, guys, not to go over. Right. How close to 104 do we have to get? We want to be as close, close as, as possible. Okay. I know, but there's, I, there's I want to win or these, lose. One of these numbers gets you to 103. One of these quarterbacks will bring you to 103. Okay. I'll give you that. All right. There's a clear level that if you go over, it runs. Okay. Yeah. That was a big tip. Okay. 43. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Manziel. Austin Davis and Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon Brandon threw about 20. 25, I think. 25? Did I he have that many? I want to say 32. Ooh, 32. Wow, that he many. Played, he played right, with I'll Josh split Gordon. the difference, go even 30, and get us up to 70. Okay. 70. Um, 70. Hit. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Menzel, Austin Davis, Brandon Whedon, and Brady Quinn. He did not have many. Eight. He, he, eight or nine. He had nine one year, I think. He was here a couple of years. He was there he a couple was, of years, and, and he came in and, out. In, and, in and out. Give him 12, 15? I, I'd say 15. 15. 15 puts us to 85. Go ahead. He, the next so one's going to get us to 103. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Manziel, Austin Davis, Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, and Charlie Fry. Oh, yeah. Zero. Yeah, no. No, Charlie, Charlie Fry threw some touchdowns. Yeah. He, yeah. he played one year, and then he got benched in the no, first got, game and traded. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> that was an all-time Browns move. He's our starting quarterback. quarterback. We love I'm, him. I'm One game. Two You're out. I'm going to say two or three, bro. That's it? I don't I think, think he was throwing no touchdowns like that. God, I think I'm thinking even that. more than that. Then we, if it's more than that, we got to stop. Can we here. hear the next name? Or no, no. Oh. So, but he did say one of these names gets us to 103, and uh, I don't think he gets us to 103. No. no. So All let's right. throw another one quarterback more, in the more, bucket. One more. We're hitting again. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Menzel, Austin Davis, Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, Charlie Fry, and Luke McCown. Oh, that's. Well, wait now for his career. Not oh. Josh McCown. Yeah, Luke not McCown. Josh. Josh would definitely <laughs> broke the bucket. I. Luke McCown didn't play much. Eight. 
Oh, remember, Charlie Fry, it's not just the Browns. It's I know, that's what I'm to, saying. He went to Seattle, but he didn't do he anything in Seattle either. Luke Eight? McCown? Or Charlie no, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Charlie. Do you want to take one more quarterback in that bucket? I think we should take bucket? one more. Do I, yeah, I think we should take one more. One more? Is everybody good with that? Yeah, one more. Hit us! Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, John Manziel, Austin Davis, Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, Charlie Fire, Luke McCown, and Seneca Wallace. Seneca's That's a whole That's, That's a whole right right there. Done. We're Seneca holding some good years in Seattle. He played in Seattle. So you guys are holding right there? We're yeah. holding. Yeah. That's one Anthony Jumbo, please. Y'all busted two quarterbacks ago. We oh! I got you to 103. I told you Charlie had more than we thought. How many uh, Charlie have? 17. We, I told you guys that. Uh, I'm shocking you. you guys were oddly close on a lot of these. Do you, you have a list of yeah. these? Can we see I told the list? you Charlie was 15. Nice. Sean Kaiser threw 11. Okay. Kevin Hogan threw four. We were right uh, on. Yeah. We were 15. Yeah. Kessler, Kessler threw eight. Okay. I we said, said seven. seven. We said 22. Yeah. Manziel threw seven. Oh, we were oh, right. off there. Was up on we said, yeah, 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 yeah. Austin Davis, 13. Oh, then we were low we on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we messed that one up. Brandon Whedon, 31. I said 30. Right there? Yeah. yeah. Brady, Quinn, Brady Quinn, 12. We were there close. And Charlie Fry, 17. That was the one. Oh, I thought he I that was yeah. the one. Dang. That one screwed. Yeah. So, in totality, if you combine the career touchdown totals of Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, Johnny Menzel, Austin Davis, Brandon Whedon, Brady Quinn, and Charlie Fry, they have one less career touchdown pass. That is so pathetic. Than our friend. <laughs> that is, that's Sean like, I'm embarrassed to be a Browns fan. And that's fan. Not, not just with the Browns. That's their, their whole career. career. Yeah, that is entire careers. How many years I'd be too hard to do? I, yeah. I mean, you're probably talking 100 the games. The bucket is overflowing. 100 games? <laughs> Shout out to Anthony, by the way, for the graphics. Nice you know, job with the graphics. Oh, the graphics Good job. Awesome. So Good we wanted to do this with Joe Thomas. We're going to do it with Dequell tomorrow. Nice. But I wanted you guys to play first. I like this so game. When I love that game. Tomorrow, that's a, I feel that's like you should do that again with other, yeah. you know. Yeah, we'll, I like we'll that. figure Great out other game. ways to do it. The touchdown passes and Browns quarterbacks are, are a little easier. And we're going to uh, talk to you guys about uh, Cleveland whiskey real quick because yeah. their new Christmas ale is out. And if you guys haven't tried it, it is delicious. Cleveland whiskey, Christmas bourbon. Mm-hmm. Drink responsibly, my friends. Drink responsibly. Don't, don't guys. The ca- I'm, I'm experiencing. By the way, the pe- yeah. my, my people say that we might have a, a little something on set from Cleveland whiskey. Ooh, I'm good. just gonna figure it out. I've got guys, a promotional bottle. Talk home. to I me about the Cavs here because I am watching these games with no emotion. I'm like kind of okay. bored. Well, because you know it, it means nothing. I just can't get. I'm like watching them like with dead eyes. So last night they were tied. They played a great game last night. They were tied at 21 against a good Philadelphia team. They're in the five right now, Philadelphia. But from from the point of it being tied at 21, the Cavs went on an 11-0 run, and it was over. Philadelphia went more than six minutes between the second first half and the second half. Where they didn't score a point, yeah. half a quarter, they didn't score a point. That's that's what the Cavs looked like in the third quarter against Milwaukee, uh, right around Thanksgiving. Cavs um, at one point had an eighty to forty nine lead, and I mean, if you're yeah. if you're still interested in that, it was just background, guys. I to me, if I was not if I didn't do this for a living, I don't think I'd watch the NBA at all to the playoffs. Well, that's the way I treat the NCAA bas- college basketball now. Yeah, that, exactly. Because I know it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, Let's I was, say you guys. I was there last night. Doc said after the game, Doc Rivers said it was a schedule loss. He could tell right away his guys, they just didn't have their legs. He yeah. said, I, I just, I could see it right away. And Bede looks like, looked like he wanted to be at the Jack. Maybe he was. Or, or, Maybe or he was. anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think his mind was there. So they're he in Memphis. Was... I mean, they're in Memphis tonight. They got another one tonight. But... Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, 
talking about that. I don't know what the spread is, but that might be stealing. After watching them last night, knowing that they have a road trip, a, a back-to-back yeah. in Memphis tonight, Wait. I don't know what that spread is, but somebody might be able to make some cash tonight. He felt they would be better tonight, that they'd have their legs under him. I don't know how he comes up with that on the second night of a back-to-back, and that's not an easy back-to-back, Cleveland-Memphis. But anyway, uh, yeah, not a lot to take from that. They just absolutely smoked him. One thing that stood out to me early on was – Without Jared Allen in the lineup, they actually had Mobley on Joel Embiid. Right, Embiid. which was interesting. It is because when they when he was a rookie last year, part of why the Cavs didn't want to play him at the five was they didn't want him matched up against some of the really big centers in the league and having them wear him down. Obviously, they feel a bit more comfortable with that now, and it wasn't for the entire game, but it was a fair amount of the time where I saw Mobley guarding him. But he good on him. Yeah, he did. Like, I, I, He's fearless. Yeah, He's fearless. he really is fearless. One thing that I wanted to point out, because you talked about this after maybe five or six games. Well, I think it was later than that, because it was after Garland came back from the injury. Yeah. What you said is exactly coming to fruition. You had said they've got to run this offense through Garland because it's just, it's just too confusing the other way. Garland had 21 and nine assists. Mm-hmm. Lavert had 22 off the bench. I thought he played great. Mitchell. First time in a month. That's who he is. By the way, I know. Sixers are at the, I, it is who he is. Sixers but, at the Grizzlies tomorrow. Oh, oh there's a day tonight. between? There, there's a day off. There's only one to game Houston. tonight. Mavericks. Jason, I got to hook you up with my boy in Houston. They're going to be down there all weekend while you're down there. So. All right. The, um, I think that is the answer. I think, and they figured it out, but I think Donovan's the ball more has to be in Garland's hand. Donovan's more comfortable without the ball. I agree. Than Darius is without the ball, if that yes, makes sense. Yes, and I think the Cavs are better that way. I think they're just a better team. Yeah. I don't like Mitchell scoring 40 points. It's not necessary. There's nights where you got to have it out of them, but that yeah. shouldn't be your plan. But I don't think in. that's their blueprint to no, win. It's their not. blueprint to win was this box score. And again, throw Allen into that. They won by almost 30 points. Yeah. Yeah. Against a good team that may have been disinterested without or not, their best defensive player, I, right. Jared Allen. I do, Very I do think win. I do think it is important that they do get a, a top four seed. Like some of these other teams, I may not think seeding is important to this young team. I think it'll be really important. I agree. Yeah, Especially I agree. to get home be in court. the top four. And if you could get a top one two because somebody else is sleeping at the wheel and they don't really need it because they, they got the players. Yeah. I, you take it. It's going to be tough to get a top two. I still think Milwaukee and Boston's the best team. What's crazy is Boston's 18 and four and two of those losses came right, to, to the Cleveland. Cavs. I know. It's nuts. We got to go. I, I got an imp- uh, impersonation for you guys real quick. You want to see it? Yeah. Okay. This is my impression of, uh, of Kevin Stefanski coaching for the first 11 games. This is Kevin Stefanski coaching in Houston. (laughs) (laughs) That play sheet's going to be a lot bigger, boys. It's going to be a lot bigger. Coming up. Tomorrow, Bulls at the Cleveland. I'll be there. Come join me at the Cleveland. They're 11-1. Polk and Tynus in the house. Uh, Overtime coming up for all you eight members. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.